From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, the U.S. military exists to fight and win wars. That's its only purpose. That was a recent comment from Fox News host Tucker Carlson about President Biden's identity politics that he's playing in our nation's military. The result? Well, in an unprecedented move, the Pentagon has turned its rhetorical guns on the Fox News commentator. The Pentagon's reaction is very, very revealing. What does it reveal? Well, Indiana Congressman Jim Banks, chairman of the Republican Study Committee and a member of the House Armed Services Committee, is here for that conversation. Also, we should be standing with the oppressed against the oppressor. That was New Jersey Congressman Chris Smith last week in a hearing of the House Foreign Affairs Committee where he pressed President Biden's Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, for the administration to hold the Chinese Communist regime accountable for their human rights abuses. Congressman Smith is here with more later on Washington Watch. And it doesn't happen, well, at least not much, or so we're told. Last week, an Illinois judge signed arrest warrants for five suspects on counts of forgery and perjury in the 2020 election. A significant contributor to voter fraud? Well, universal mail-in balloting is. Why is it? Well, Jay Adams, Christian Adams with the Public Interest Legal Foundation is here with a report out of Nevada that answers that question. Also, the Vatican getting a lot of attention today as the Pope answered the question, does the church have the power to give the blessing to unions of persons of the same sex? Well, what was his answer? Eric Salmons, editor of Crisis Magazine, is here with that answer. And FRC David Clawson, who is the director of our Center for Biblical Worldview and Christian Ethics, will also weigh in on that topic. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Gab, that's Gab.com, the free speech platform. It's at Tony underscore Perkins, again on Gab. Website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything on your way home, it's all archived right there. All right, last week, Fox News host Tucker Carlson made the following comment in his monologue about how Joe Biden's new war games for the military is identity politics and search and destroy the conservatives within. Here is what he said in part. So we've got new hairstyles and maternity flight suits. Pregnant women are going to fight our wars. It's a mockery of the U.S. military. While China's military becomes more masculine as it's assembled the world's largest navy, Our military needs to become, as Joe Biden says, more feminine, whatever feminine means anymore, since men and women no longer exist. The bottom line is it's out of control, and the Pentagon's going along with this. Again, this is a mockery of the U.S. military and its core mission, which is winning wars. Now, if you listen to this program, you've heard basically the same thing. I think on this, Tucker Carlson is spot on. So it is not so much what he said that is newsworthy for us to talk about on this program. But how the Pentagon is reacting to what he said, that is the story. The military brass have turned their rhetorical guns on Tucker Carlson, which I think is very revealing. Joining me now to explain what it is revealing is Congressman Jim Banks. He serves as the third congressional district uh, representative of Indiana. He is also a member of the House Armed Services Committee, former combat veteran, and the chairman of the House Republican Study Committee. Uh, Congressman, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony. Good to be with you. So what does this reveal 
about the Pentagon that they have basically, you know, they were going to do a stand down to address, quote unquote, extremism in the military. But it looks like they took a stand down uh, to point all their attention to Tucker Carlson. Yeah, Tony, we've never seen anything quite like this, at least that I can point to in American history, where the Pentagon has turned its focus away from our greatest adversaries, our greatest adversary of all being, of course, uh, the, the, the Chinese Communist Party, um, and instead turned their sights solely on Tucker Carlson, a, me, a media figure with the, the most popular television program on all of cable news. You'll notice that if you listen to the entire segment, Tony, Tucker Carlson never demeans women serving in the military. In fact, he's responding to a press conference from President Biden who mentions uh, these uh, pregnancy flight suits and some of these other matters. And, and Tucker's making a very important and valid case that while uh, while the, the president of the United States, the commander in chief, while the secretary of defense, while the while the Pentagon is focused on woke, the, 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 the woke politics of the moment, they're not focused on uh, defeating our our uh, most uh, our, our most uh, dangerous enemies and confronting our most dangerous adversaries. So yet that's the, the media narrative today is something that's altogether false because it plays into this sort of a of, of full-scale PR campaign by the Pentagon. You've seen a number of official Pentagon Twitter accounts attacking Tucker Carlson for something that he never said, but it's, it's all wrapped up into this, uh, this, this bigger, I think, more important issue of, um, of, of where, where our, our Pentagon, where our, our national uh, defense uh, apparatus is focused on, certainly not uh, where it should be. Well, it, it, the bottom line is the question he asked, which we've asked many, many times on this program, how do their policies help them fight and win wars? Here, here's my take on this, is that it, it's as if uh, Tucker probed their front lines and he exposed a tremendous weakness. So they are trying to do everything they can to distract from what he has exposed, and that is this political correctness, this wokeness that has invaded our nation's military undermines the readiness of our military and our national security. Yeah, the the latter half of the interview with Tucker, Tony, I was a part of. Tucker interviewed me about a letter that I wrote to the chief of naval operations, the top admiral in the entire United States Navy, who has a reading list. And on his reading list is a book titled How to Be an Anti-Racist. And, in fact, the book itself is very racist and extreme. At a time when the Pentagon is talking about ridding extremism from the ranks, they're telling sailors in the United States Navy to read a book that suggests that every American is racist. And I, I was raising the, 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 the point on Tucker's show of you, the the, the the contradiction of the oath of office that every sailor raises their right hand and takes, and then the CNO telling them they should read a book that says that America is racist, capitalism is racist, the Navy is racist, all of America is racist, which really which really defies the, the, the question of why anyone would raise their right hand and serve to protect a country that is flawed and racist, as this author puts it. So Tucker, Tucker is taking heat for the first half, of, of the interview, um, again, for something that he never even – Tucker never suggested that w women shouldn't serve in the military. But, of course, we would never send pregnant women into combat, which is the case that he's making, too. But one, let me make one final point. 
the, the military has always been one of the uh, most highly regarded institutions in America. And the reason why is because the military doesn't get involved in politics until until now. On, on Joe Biden's watch, on, uh, as part of this administration, you've seen the Pentagon become politicized to a point that we've never seen before. And all of a sudden, polls are coming out that shows that the public trust and regard for our military is is diminishing day by day as they get more and more involved in politics. Yeah, when I when I saw the response of the military to to Tucker, and I watched the whole the the whole monologue that he gave, setting up the interview that he did with you, and and again, I think he was spot on. He was absolutely correct in what he had to say. That's really not the news. The news is how the media or how the uh, the military responded to it and how the mili- the media has given the military a pass if the military under Donald Trump, for instance, when he reversed the policy of Barack Obama on transgenderism in the military, had the military started tweeting out saying, yeah, that's right, we have to fight and win wars, we don't have time for this nonsense, uh, this make-believe, uh, you know, the, the media would have gone crazy. But yet when they do the same thing for Joe Biden, supporting his policies and becoming a mouthpiece for the administration, the media is absolutely silent. Yeah, and the public polling is showing, Tony, that the American people see it for what it is. It's sad for me and you, too, who have served our country and worn the uniform to see this occur. But for the public a regard and trust in, a, in the institution has always been the most trusted institution in America to decline so sharply because of situations like these is a is a sad moment uh, for our country and something that we should we should categorically reject and push back against. I know that I am and other Republicans on the Armed Services Committee are asking tough questions of our military leadership of of why they're why they've trained their focus so. Uh, squarely on Tucker Carlson and, not, and, and why they're not uh, building a military that can fight and win wars instead. Well, and, I, and don't miss, I know you're not, but we don't want to miss the bigger point is what Tucker Carlson is saying uh, because of the platform that he has and the reach that he has. But my question, uh, Congressman Banks, is what is it going to take to awaken our military from this wokeness that has them in a really a stupor. Yeah, we're, we're in the midst of this uh, 60 day stand down that you mentioned a little bit ago um, to uh, rid extremism from the ranks, as they put it. I mean, I, I was at the Pentagon a couple of weeks ago, Tony, and I met with with um, each of the branches to talk about this particular subject, because I was recently assigned to be the ranking member of the House uh, Armed Services Committee military personnel subcommittee and part of that jurisdiction is it it happens to involve these uh these types of issues so i i ask each leaders in each of the branches do you believe that we have an extremism or or radicalism uh, problem in your branch and not a single one of them would come out and tell me that yes we have a problem and we need a 60-day stand down to rid out extremism or or we have a racism problem None of them will. None of them will tell you that in private. But this, the the wokeness, the the politically uh, uh, correct nature of the of, of this administration, I believe, is going to push this so far to the limit. To answer your question, uh, this is the, the the they're so extreme in their approach that I believe America is going to backlash against it and want want to return to a time when when uh, when the military is apolitical, where it doesn't wade into these subjects. 
and focuses on what they should instead. And I don't know that you'll see the result anywhere more clearly than at the ballot box. I mean, I, that, that's where that's where the result will be viewed and seen, I, I believe, most um, most starkly. Will have to be at the ballot box as a rejection of this type of um, th- this type of politics occurring. Uh, in our nation's military, well, I, I think I think Congressman, it'll show up one other place, and it did during the the years of Barack Obama, and it's at the recruiting office. I think what you're going to see happen, where the vast majority of those who serve in our nation's military, not all, not all, but the majority, are right of center. They're conservative. They have that uh, that ethos that uh, of serving others for the most part, not all. And I think what happens when you start seeing this kind of garbage coming out of the mouths of our military leaders and out of our president, the commander-in-chief, these young people are going to think differently, and primarily their parents are going to be steering them elsewhere. Elsewhere, So I think that's going to be another crisis for this administration, and they're probably going to hide it. So you guys are going to need to probe and ask questions uh, when those military leaders come before the committee. We'll be doing it. We'll keep doing it, Tony. Thank you very much. All right, uh, Congressman Jim Banks, as always, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for, uh, for being with us. I, this, you know, this really gets me because our military is not there as a laboratory of experimentation for their social policies. It is, as Tucker Carlson said and as the general has said on this program, General Boykin, myself, our military is to win and fight wars, period, period, nothing else. All right, coming up next, Congressman Chris Smith of New Jersey joins us to talk about if America is going to hold China accountable for human rights abuses. That's next. Don't go away. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In our time, North Korea remains one of the world's most mysterious countries. Unfortunately, what we do know about North Korea indicates the country is also one of the world's worst abusers of human rights, including violations of religious freedom. The North Korean regime has engaged in an intense crackdown on religion for decades. Today, few religious believers remain, and those who do face grave danger. The secretive nature of the regime, nicknamed the Hermit Kingdom, makes it difficult for American leaders to address these human rights issues. Yet, even though options are limited, the gravity of the situation calls on Western countries to take every action possible to relieve the suffering of the North Korean people, a people who have no chance of speaking up for themselves. To learn more about this important issue, check out FRC's publication titled North Korea, the World's Foremost Violator of Religious Freedom. To access the information you need to stay informed, including a list of policy proposals, go to frc.org slash North Korea. 
Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain, and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, the vice grip of the Chinese Communist Party is squeezing the democracy out of Hong Kong. Last week, the National People's Congress in China voted 2,895 to zero. Now, how often does that happen? Well, quite often in China. Uh, there was one abstention. In it was all in support of a plan to give pro-Beijing committee, a pro-Beijing committee, more power to appoint more of Hong Kong's lawmakers, basically giving them total control over what happens in Hong Kong. Now, this, as the CCP continues their repressive tactics against their own people in the mainland, including uh, the Uyghur Muslims, uh, last week in a foreign affairs committee in the House, our next guest questioned the Secretary of State under the Biden administration, Anthony Blinken, about what the administration is going to do to counter China and their human rights abuses. Joining me now to talk about the answer is Congressman Chris Smith. He represents the 4th Congressional District of New Jersey. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Tony, thank you so much for having me on. So what was the Secretary of State's answer to you in terms of whether or not the U.S. was going to challenge China on their repressive tactics in violating, systematically violating uh, human rights in a very egregious and ongoing fashion? Well, the Secretary, and this is Secretary Blinken, uh, was very, very short, completely just, you know, fluff, didn't really say anything. And he had a whole hearing after my questioning that I was early on <clears throat> to go back and further elaborate, and there was no real elaboration. Uh, we don't know what President Biden said to Xi Jinping, the dictator, when he had a two-hour phone call. Where's the detailed notes about what was conveyed back and forth? Uh, and, and frankly, the concern about Hong Kong, you mentioned the Uyghurs as well. Uh, I mean, there's a genocide going on right now. People are being slaughtered, put into concentration camps. Uh, you know, Trump had done much. Uh, he signed several bills, including one that I authored, along with uh, Marco Rubio, called the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act. And, and there needs to be next steps taken now that the new president, you know, is, is in charge. And, um, you know, what we saw just last week, Tony, uh, as you alluded to, uh, you know, the, the Beijing Communist Party has now said there will be no more even, even modest Democratic candidates running 
they choose every candidate. Uh, so the you know the limited autonomy that Hong Kong was guaranteed by treaty when it was conveyed from the UK back to China until 19, uh, 2047 has completely been obliterated. It's time to end uh, the special relationship, and that falls entirely in the hands of the President of the United States. The 1992 U.S.-Hong Kong Relations Act um, conveys that power uh, to whoever the president might be. And, and what has happened in Hong Kong uh, is a catastrophic um, uh, ending of democracy, the likes of which we've never seen uh, in such a short period of time. So, uh, so, so what we see, uh, Congressman Smith, not only what we see in Hong Kong, where the choking off of democracy there, despite the fact that this was to continue uh, for some time based upon the international agreement or the agreement with Great Britain and China. Uh, but we we continue to see the escalation of the repressive tactics against the Uyghurs and more information coming out. And it's not just the Uyghurs. We see them destroying Christian churches and uh, persecuting other religious groups. So do you get a sense that from this incoming or this administration that is currently in office, are there any red lines at which they would be willing to hold China accountable? It's a great question, and so far I have not seen any. They talk more about cooperation where everyone, anybody comes down on, on climate change. Uh, that seems to be the go-to issue. Uh, when, in stark contrast, we have genocide, the ending of democracy in Hong Kong, the ongoing forced abortion policy, a, a, a pervasive use of torture against virtually anyone who is in opposition. And as you know so well from your great work, uh, the crushing of the Christian churches, uh, the Tibetan Buddhists, the Falun Gong, uh, of course the, the Muslim uh, Uyghurs, uh, is unprecedented under Xi Jinping. And there is going to be a summit in Anchorage on March 18th to the 19th with our Secretary of State and with the Foreign Minister of China. Uh, you know, we better, as a country, be very firm. There better be, as you said, those red lines about human rights abuse that will not be tolerated. And again, what we can do is use the trade issue, use other uh, levers, uh, tools that are embedded in the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act uh, to really send a clear, unmistakable message. If that doesn't happen, uh, and if after, and I raised the question with the Secretary of State, that when Biden was on uh, Anderson Cooper's CNN Town Hall and was asked about the Uyghurs, he, he talked about uh, cultural norms uh, that each country are expected to follow. That is, and I said this at the hearing, precisely what Barack Obama said when President Hu Jintao was with him at a joint press conference, and he defended. Uh, matter of fact, it was so bad, defending the Chinese Communist Party's horrific abuse. It was so bad that the Washington Post did a, a scathing editorial against Obama at the time, saying that Obama defends who, President Hu, that is, on rights. Uh, and there's this, you know, somehow that, like the Chinese public do not understand human rights? Of course they do. They go to jail for it. They suffer uh, in, in the gulags, the law guys, they call them, of, of the communist dictatorship. Um, just just a, almost a slander of the human rights uh, defenders in that country. I mean, the norms are universal. Uh, you know, the Declaration right. of Human Rights. <laughs> it's, it's universal. Right. That's, abso- like that's our, absolutely our, our right. That's absolutely right. And that is an international standard, which 
uh, we uh, we operate by, and almost every other country has is signatories uh, are signatories to that. Uh, Congressman Chris Smith, thanks so much for uh, for joining us today, and again, thank you for the great work you do on human rights around the world. Thank you so much, Tony. Thank you for your great work. Thanks. Oh, you know, he mentioned the climate change and how the administration's focused on that. All right, we'll just take that issue in China. I mean, China is is one of, if not the, one of the biggest polluters in the world. And they're going to get a pass on that. Treating them as if they were a third world country. And I mean, they have an economy that is about to steamroll us. And a military, I should add, as well. All right, coming up next, voter fraud? No, it doesn't happen. Really. We're going to talk about that and. One of the main areas that fuels it, mail-in balloting, a new study out of Nevada, very revealing. Jay Christian Adams is next. Don't go away. The history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org slash China. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed, so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download, or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? This is Washington Watch, and I'm Tony Perkins, the website TonyPerkins.com. All right, last week we, uh, we were talking about Georgia and a, a report out of Georgia that uh, actually it was a request, public information request that was made and information was not provided by the counties. And as a result, what is lacking in Georgia in their mail-in ballots was the chain of custody the documentation in over 400,000 mail-in ballots. Now, this is a this is a big issue because in HR1 it basically calls for universal mail-in balloting. Why is that a problem? Well, 
because it becomes a fodder for not it's, it's not absolute, but it creates an environment which in which fraud is easier. But here is a new study that just came out of Nevada, just uh, I think just one county in Nevada uh, that shows very similar problems. Joining me now to talk about this, Jay Christian Adams, president and general counsel of public the Public Interest Law Foundation, which is focused heavily on voter integrity, uh, election integrity, I should say. Christian, w- welcome back to the program. Thanks a lot, Tony. Okay, so tell our listeners what you have uncovered there in Nevada. Well, Nevada is a great example of how vote-by-mail produces bad outcomes. And in Nevada, we now know, in Clark County alone, which is Las Vegas, there were 93,000 mail ballots that were sent out to bad addresses where the voters actually didn't live. And that's at a minimum. We know at least 93,000 because that's what bounced uh, bounced back through the mails. And the problem in Nevada is you have bad voter rolls and the state that goes completely automatic mail balloting. And when you do that, it's the worst mix uh, because you have ballots going to places where the voters no longer live. So let me ask you a question on that. What are the odds that someone who gets a ballot that's not theirs uh, that could cast that ballot? Can that happen? Oh, there's nothing to stop it. That's the problem. And there's no way really to detect it. That's why you don't want to build a system to have an election that has so much slack in it, that has so much uh, decentralization where ballots are just flying through the post office. And not only that, Tony, don't forget, mail balloting disenfranchises people because we know the post office loses at least 5% of the ballots. They don't get there in time. So it's just a terrible way to run an election. And now we're getting data that show it. Now, isn't that what is at the heart of, uh, well, I mean, there's many things in H.R. 1, but this is a key part of it, is it not? Yeah, everything bad that happened in 2020 uh, is about to become federal law if it passes the Senate. And that includes universal vote by mail, a whole bunch of other stuff we could spend an hour on. But the Democrats in the in the Congress are going to institutionalize and federalize elections with H.R. 1, and they're doing this because they know if they federalize elections, they can have ideological bureaucrats in Washington, D.C., controlling the entire election process nationwide. And and that's what they want to have happen. So, Jay Christian Adams, let me put this in perspective here. Clark County, one county, that's uh, Las Vegas, 92,000 ballots that were, you know, undeliverable, bad addresses. We don't know, you know, how many may have been used uh, in the wrong way. But the margin of victory in Nevada was only 33,000 votes. Right. And this is only one county. It doesn't include Washoe, which is Reno, uh, Nye, which is Pahrump. We, we went to these places, the Public Interest Legal Foundation. I went out with a camera crew and we went to the addresses where people were voting from vacant lots, uh, from casinos, from um, pot shops, uh, you know, like pipes and, and liquor stores and an abandoned mine. I mean, you can watch this if you Google Public Interest Legal Foundation Nevada film or video. And and that just is not how we should be running an election where people are voting from abandoned minds. I mean, we don't have problems with our property tax rolls. I mean, almost every tax assessor knows exactly who's at what address. And when it comes tax time, they know how to get that money. Why do we have such a hard time with when it comes to casting 
a vote. Isn't it just as valuable to our republic? Because election officials around the country are not speaking with the tax assessors. They're not looking at other data that Public Interest Legal Foundation did. They're not communicating to figure out which of these are actually, uh, like I said, casinos. I mean, we found people registered to vote. I should say we found registrations at casinos. We couldn't find the people. We tried. Uh, We couldn't find the people at the abandoned vacant lots in Las Vegas. We tried, but they're not talking to each other, and that's why this happens. Well, the answer is not H.R. 1. The answer is for state legislatures across the country to address these issues, but that will only happen. It is happening to a degree right now, but the, the public has to demand that state legislatures fix these problems. Exactly. And and they can fix the problems. We have a list of best practices we've proposed uh, for state legislatures, one of which is banding, banning private money to run election offices yes. like happened yes. last time. Yes. Uh, that's the worst thing that happened in the 2020 election. Yes, that was actually an issue we talked about in Georgia last uh, week where 350 boxes, ballot boxes, were put up across the state in key places because they were funded by Zuckerberg. And the uh, 350 million that he put into that nonprofit, uh, Jay Christian Adam. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we'll make sure we get a link to that resource on our website so people can take a look at it. Take care. Thank you. All right, Jay Christian Adams. They're doing some. They're really leading on a lot of this voter integrity, election integrity, both. Check it out, TonyPerkins.com. Coming up next, uh, the Vatican, the Pope, releasing a statement today. Actually, answering a question, I should say, uh, on can the church bless same-sex unions? We're going to talk about the answer here next on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, Because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. There is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. 
Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org Hyde. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. Welcome back. I'm Tony Perkins, and you're listening to Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. And by the way, folks, to stay connected, get information as to what's happening, I encourage you uh, to, uh, to stay connected with the website, but also uh, to uh, check out TonyPerkins.com, also PrayVoteStand.org. Each Wednesday night, we have uh, a broadcast, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, all of those uh, previous editions are archived there at prayvotestand.com as we, uh, as we not only address the issues, but we pray over them as well. So, again, that's prayvotestand.org. All right, the Vatican releasing a responsum of the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith to a dubium, Latin for basically question, uh, regarding the blessing of unions of persons of the same sex. And so the Pope answered this question. Can the church bless same-sex unions? Well, here to, uh, to talk about it is Eric Sammons, editor of the Crisis Magazine. Eric, welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for having me, Tony. I have saved the answer for you. What did the Pope <laughs> say to this question? Well, basically he said no. The church does not have the power to give a blessing to uh, unions of persons of the same sex. The reason? Well, essentially, a blessing is something that the Church gives to actions or people that they offer up to God. So, for example, you might bless your pet in the sense of, oh, a priest might bless a pet in the sense of, oh, this is God's creation, it it helps your family, whatever the case may be. But you can't bless an action that in and of itself is sinful. So, for example, a priest couldn't bless an abortion. It just it goes against the whole purpose of a blessing because it's supposed to be directed towards God, that action. Likewise, a union of persons of the same sex is a sin, and therefore you can't bless that because it's not directed towards God. Yeah, I, I, I read the, the entire document, was quite encouraged by it because essentially it is a, a statement of biblical truth in saying that, uh, in part, they cannot bless us, 
because it has to be according to the designs of God inscribed in creation and fully revealed by Christ the Lord, which same-sex unions and other relationships outside of marriage. In fact, it goes on to say, for this reason, it is not licit to impart a blessing on relationships or partnerships, even stable, that involve sexual activity outside of marriage. So it's, it's not limited. Does it carve out just those same-sex relationships? But it talks about all relationships that are contrary to uh, the design of God. That's right. I mean, the, the question was directed towards unions of persons of the same sex, but what, what the church, what the Pope here is saying is it's not just, we're not just saying these, but any relationship that's outside of biblical marriage, a marriage between a man and a woman for life, that, that's the only place that sexual activity is allowed. And so any union that is outside of that sexual union is a sin, and therefore the church can't bless it. Right. And, and I actually was encouraged that they included the broader context, because I think what's happened in our culture, uh, especially the last few years, is there's been this big push among activists in the LGBT community is to carve out separate space for those of same-sex or transgender relationships as opposed to, you know, those that are involved in extramarital relationships or uh, sex outside of marriage. It all is the same in the eyes of Scripture in terms of being outside the created order of God in terms of what he intends for people, his creation, to engage in. That's exactly right. And it's part of identity politics that basically the LGBT movement has identified themselves with what the Bible basically says is a sin. It's, I, they, they've identified themselves by an action that is contrary to the will of God. And so that's why in situations like this, what the Pope here is trying to say is, okay, you can't identify yourself as being uh, a, a gravely sinful action. That's, that can't be part of your identity. And so the Church isn't going to support that. And that is the case for any gravely right. sinful activity. We're not going to support it. Right. And I, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that the Church has spoken with clarity. The very last sentence where they say, for the above-mentioned reasons, the Church does not have and cannot have the power to bless unions of persons of the same sex in the sense intended above. Eric, did, did it surprise you with the strength and clarity of the statement coming out of the Vatican? If I'm honest with you, the answer is yes, it did actually surprise me, because it Honestly, the Vatican hasn't always been clear on this issue, and it's caused a lot of confusion, and it's caused a lot of pain for people who are struggling to be live a chaste lifestyle, who might have homosexual inclinations, and they're not getting that clarity from the Vatican to say, hey, this is something that it's good that you're remaining chaste, that you're, that you're going against those, those temptations you may have. And so I was very happy to see, although I was surprised, I was very happy that it was so clear. There's no debate about it. There's no, there's no wiggle room in their statement, right. which I thought was, was, was great. Yeah, there was no gray area, but not everybody's happy with it, Eric. <laughs> no, they're not. I mean, and it's because of the confusion of our age that we don't we want to identify people by their gravely sinful actions instead of by who they are as images of God, created in the image of God, loved by Christ. And that's what we really should be focused on. But people I mean, people have loved their own sins since Adam and Eve. And so they still do. And so it's a job of Christians really to stand up and say, no, this is what's best for people. This is the the, the design of God is to follow the path that he laid out. And that does not include sexual activity outside of marriage. 
Yeah, the church was intended to be a countercultural institution uh, because if, if, if it was going the same direction as the culture, or the culture was going the same direction as the church, you wouldn't need it, but you need it. That's right. In fact, what you notice is, is that this is a huge news story which tells us that when, when Christians when, and Catholics, when we stand up and say this is what the biblical truth is, this is what Christ himself teaches, when it goes against the culture, people notice. But when we just go along, then we're ignored and nobody even cares what we think. That's why it's really encouraging, should be encouraged all us Christians, we need to stand up and, and preach what, what uh, Christ has taught us to preach. Right. And, and Eric, to your point about the clarity in this statement, that's what really encouraged me because we've seen a lot of statements come out that have a lot of gray area that's open, as you said, wiggle room. And knowing the backlash that's going to come from, uh, you know, all of the, the, the cultural forces to try to get the church to retreat, I don't see any room in this statement for retreat. No, there's really not, and which is beautiful. I mean, it, obviously, we should always be compassionate and loving and charitable to those who struggle with same-sex attraction, and that doesn't change right. from this statement. Right. Like, this is what's charitable to them, is to let them know that your struggle is real, but that you don't want to give in to sin, because that's true for all of us. All of us have a struggle with sin of some nature, and, and we, want to, we want to avoid it and be encouraged to avoid it. Avoid it. Yeah, it, it, it will, to that point, one of, the, uh, one of the sentences in here is the declaration of the unlawfulness of blessings of unions between persons of the same sex is not therefore and is not intended to be a form of unjust discrimination, but rather a reminder of the truth. And that's ultimately, as believers, if we stand on the Word of God, it's not our opinion. It's not what we think. It's what God has said. And, and we don't need to apologize for that. And we don't need to back away from that. That's right. And if we, we might hurt some feelings, but ultimately this is always for the good, the good of the, of the individuals involved. Because I don't know about you, but I, I know a number of people who have struggled with same-sex attra- attraction in their life, and they've been freed from it, and they now live chaste lives, and they're so much more content and happy and peaceful. That's yeah. why statements like this are so necessary, because it tells them, yes, you can find freedom in Christ. You don't have to be bound by your sin. You are more than your sin. And so I think that's what statements like this do, is they remind us, don't, be, don't fall into your sin and just be, become defined by identified by it, but instead find freedom in Christ. And as Jesus said, the truth is what will make you free. Uh, Eric Salmon, Amen. thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Uh, great insight, and uh, thanks for uh, stopping by and having a conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Eric Salmon's editor of Crisis Magazine, which is a leading uh, publication for uh, Catholic thinkers, Orthodox, theologically, um, in terms of what the Bible has to say. So we, we see the Pope here um, being actually a really strong statement based on on biblical truth, where does that leave those in the evangelical community that have been overtaken with wokeness? Uh, Joining me now to to talk about this, uh, FRC's David Clawson, the director of our Center for Biblical Worldview and Christian Ethics. Uh, David, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Tony. You know, we were talking about with Eric about how the church, I mean, by nature is countercultural. I mean, it's just moving the opposite direction of the culture. If it didn't, we wouldn't need it. Um, But it was designed to be, you know, truth in the midst of confusion, light in the midst of darkness. But unfortunately, 
we even see this in some of the more conservative denominations where there is a, um, a fear of offending when it comes to this issue of human sexuality. Yeah, that's right, Tony. There, there's an absolute fear of being called a bigot or uh, being called any sort of you know name in the book. And it's just amazing. You know, you know our, our colleague George Barna uh, does a study every year called the American Worldview Inventory. And he says that you know only 6% of Americans now have what can be called a biblical worldview. And I think that accounts for the coverage that this story from the Vatican is getting. Um, I just did a quick Google search before coming on the program with you. And there's frontline headlines from on ABC, New York Times, Reuters, BBC. Uh, just every major publication uh, is running with this story. And if we're being honest, Tony, this isn't uh, – it shouldn't be that big of a, of a deal be for news. the church just to – no, and it shouldn't be because the church is just reaffirming their long-standing belief that marriage is between a man and a woman. This right. would be like the Vatican saying that they believe in baptism, or they they believe uh, that Jesus is God, or, or that they believe that you know priests need to be men. Uh, but the reason this is such a big deal is because you have seen a lot of denominations uh, capitulate on the issue of marriage and uh, human sexuality. Um, and that does speak to the age we live in where uh, just the, the Pope coming out affirming what the Catholic Church has believed for 2,000 years is now a major international news story. Well, it, it is, you know, because, I mean, it's like breaking news, the Church believes the Bible. But the reality is we've, we've been so timid, and I say we in a universal sense, um, about being afraid to stand on the truth. And that's, I mean... I found this encouraging, in, uh, and I think, you know, this is a pretty solid statement that the Pope um, ha- has made. And I'm actually hoping, quite frankly, David, that this challenges some evangelicals to be a little stronger in standing on the Word of God without making apologies for what it has to say. Oh, I, I hope so, too, Tony. You know, I'm, I'm a Southern Baptist, and I read this statement, and I found myself saying amen and amen several times. Uh, because not only did the Pope and the, the Roman Catholic Church officially, and again, this is an official statement with the full weight of the church behind it affirming uh, that uh, same-sex unions can't be blessed, but it, it goes even further and, and defines what marriage is. And it says marriage is this relationship, an indissolvable union between an, a man and a woman, and that this is a truth that the church believes because this is what Scripture clearly teaches. And, uh, you know, I found my own spine being stiffened when I read this. And I think it was Billy Graham who said just it takes just one man to take a stand for the, 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 the spines of other men to, to, to be stiffened. And I, I, I hope that's the case because there are other denominations, Tony, that are, are getting a little uh, wishy-washy on, on these issues where there's a clear, thus saith the Lord. Again, this right. is not a gray right. area with Scripture. Right. This is black and white. And that, that's what really does not make this difficult. Is it, is, it, is it a challenge? Is there controversy surrounding it? Yes, I don't deny that. But it's not, it's not like you've got to rack your brain over this. It's the Word of God, and it's very clear. And I think they use, you know, the, the, the Pope here uses a lot of words to, to come to that final conclusion that, you know, God cannot bless sin. And the, the church does not have and cannot have the power to bless unions of persons of the same sex. It just can't do it if it is going to be consistent with the teaching of Scripture. And again, not gray area. This is very, very clear. Yeah, no, it, it's very clear, and not just on the issue of same sex, but on what, what marriage is, that marriage is a good idea. It's God's design, and it's rightly ordered to creation. 
And so, again, I think that uh, I, I commend the Pope and the Vatican for being, again, so clear, because uh, previously this Pope had even famously said in 2013, you know, who am I to judge when he was asked kind of off the cuff? But again, just this is a, a statement with the full weight of the Vatican behind it. And again, as, as a Southern Baptist, as an evangelical, uh, I hope those who are part of our tribe uh, take note of this, uh, because again, there are chapters and verses uh, I talk about this in my publication, uh, Biblical Principles for Human Sexuality, uh, that Scripture is clear in all branches of the church, Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant, I- any branch of the church that still believes in the inspiration authority of Scripture uh, has to hold the line on marriage and sexuality. By doing that, we're being a witness to God's good design that he's written into the very fabric of creation. Right. And to what Eric uh, Salmon said earlier is that as we uphold the truth of God, that truth is freeing. It sets men, women, and children free, and especially those that are bound up in these issues of uh, human sexuality. Uh, David Clawson, thanks so much for uh, joining us. As always, great to talk with you. Thank you, Tony. All right, folks, I encourage you to check out the resources that David uh, has produced in our Center for Biblical Worldview and Christian Ethics. A lot of resources there for you, helping you not only think through these issues, but to speak to these issues uh, to your friends, family, churches. It's important that we know what the Bible says, how it says it, and how we are to stand upon it. And speaking of standing, our time is up. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.